0: Ladies and gentlemen, I have to take a minute to talk about the fragile state of the U.S. dollar and what it means for you. We are in for a tough year. Biden's printing and spending could be catastrophic for the U.S. dollar and the market and worse. We know that the U.S. dollar is now on the ropes as continuing to be the U.S. world reserve currency. The petrodollar is, for lack of a better term, in its final stages. What does that mean? What does that mean for you? What does it mean for your family? I recommend that you diversify with gold and silver now, and the only company that I recommend is Allegiance Gold. My friends at Allegiance Gold can help you protect your IRA or 401k with physical gold and silver, or have it delivered securely right to your door. They will educate you on the benefits of physical gold because they care and they want to build long-term relationships. Allegiance Gold has the highest rating from third-party consumer protection agencies, five stars with TrustLink, and they're AAA rated with the better business bureau and the business consumer alliance. So you get $500 of free silver. This is a special offer on a qualifying purchase when you tell them that Poso sent you. So do not wait, go, take action, go to the website today, allegiancegold.com/poso. We cannot control what the Biden administration does, but we can prepare for the aftershocks. allegiancegold.com/poso. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard today's edition of Human Events Daily, powered by Turning Point USA. Today's top stories. Of course, number one, we are going to talk about the war in Ukraine as it enters day 14. And we're going to break down the Institute for Warfare Studies, their Russian offensive campaign assessment, March 8th, all the news directly from the ground. Next, Victoria Newland, U.S. Undersecretary of State says that the united states is concerned with bio labs falling into russian hands thought that was a conspiracy get into it next what will the war's impact on agriculture fertilizer and wheat prices be as well as home heating oil how does this affect your family and finally huge news out of project veritas a new york times reporter admitted to them that the january 6 media coverage was an overreaction and that they discovered tons of federal informants on the ground on January 6 all this and more ahead human events daily All right today's top story and will continue to be our top story as this war continues the war in Ukraine day 14 what's actually going on on the ground how do we cut through the propaganda right and right at the top i'd like to remind everybody caritas.org c-a-r-i-t-a-s that's where you can go that's one of the best organizations that's out there actually on the ground in poland and in ukraine that's helping the refugees caritas.org make sure you go and you help them Here's the assessment that comes out of the Institute for the Study of War. And these guys, this, these guys are, this is a very neocon institute. So I don't want anyone to accuse me of, you know, oh, Posobic's using propaganda from Putin. No, no, no. It's a very, uh, very pro-USA, pro-neocon, if anything, huge anti-Russia, um, you know, bias when it comes to this. So let's actually go through from their assessment. Russian forces continued concentrating on the eastern, northwestern, and western outskirts of Kiev for an assault on the capital in the coming 24 to 96 hours. The reported appearance of forces belonging to Chechen leader Ramzan Kadyrov, Russia's Rogosarvia internal security formations, and the Liga, former Wagner private military company in the western outskirts of Kiev may indicate that the Russian military is struggling to assemble sufficient conventional combat power to launch its assault on the capital see I would actually disagree with their assessment right there I think it shows that they are combining forces they're combining arms people are going to have remember this is an op the operation on Kiev is going to involve multiple insertion teams as well as encirclement. And go back and and look at World War II and the way that the Russians, the the Soviet Army at the time, of course, the Red Army, took down Berlin, the Battle of Berlin, which we in the United States and in the West really don't talk about this very much. There's no movies about the Battle of Berlin. Uh, You know, you can probably get more information from it from a Sabaton song than you ever will from studying U.S. popular culture. You will in school. The Battle of Berlin was over 2 million men right they encircled the entire city and then began slowly slowly working their way towards the center of it right this is the exact same strategy that we're seeing here with kiev now in that situation as well in the battle of berlin they sent the tanks forward the tanks were used as battering rams to actually smash through these defensive blockades that were set up by at that point the nazis but here it'll be the the same defensive points that were set up and checkpoints set up by the Ukrainian army. They're using the exact same tactics, and I keep saying this, that Marshal Zhukov used to win the Second World War on the ground on the Eastern Front. And American analysts and Western analysts completely seem like they want to just ignore all of that history, because I guarantee you, in the Russian military academy, they're studying Marshal Zhukov. They're studying their own Fighting. They're studying how they do battle. We have to stop putting this into the context of how Americans fight. They are not Americans. They don't fight like us. But when I see that they're sending uh, Katarov, they're sending some Chechens in Kiev, they're sending Wagner now known as Lika. What does that tell me? They are probably going to get special assignments. Those are your government capture units. They are going to be sent after politicians. Remember, their strategic objective. One of their main strategic objectives in Kiev is not occupation. They don't have the numbers for it. They don't. But what do they want? They want the collapse of the Ukrainian government, clearly. And we've heard this again and again from Vladimir Putin. They want to achieve a shutdown of the government there, but not a full occupation of the city. But They just don't have the numbers to achieve that, and they're probably not going to. So you look at the rest of it, that's what they're going to be doing. Now, you're also seeing in Mariupol down in the south, um, let's go back to the ISW assessment. So they're consolidating there. Next, Ukrainian forces are attempting to challenge the Russian lines reaching from Sumai which Russian forces have yet to take to the eastern outskirts of Kiev. Again, they're encircling. They're not trying to take the city directly. Third, Russian troops are likely attempting to bypass Mikolaev and cross the southern Bug River, upriver of that city, to permit an advance on Odessa, combined with an impending amphibious operation against the city. And Crimean forces are also driving north from Crimea, Crimea to the city of Zaporizhzhia. Zaporizhzhia is also where the nuclear plant is. So understand... What we see going on down on the ground is this continued encirclement and envelopment operations. Now, we know that in the southern port city of Odessa, that's definitely a strategic target. That's probably going to be the furthermost western point of this advance. Why? Because if you control Odessa, that is the last port city until you get to the border with Moldova uh, and Romania. This is your final chance for any Ukrainian city to have any kind of actual port access to the black sea you take odessa and now you've got entire control of the black sea any economic assistance any military assistance that you're trying to get through there that will be completely cut off in the city of Mariupol, at this point you've got azov battalion in there you've got local troops and even though it is completely encircled and is still technically within the hands of the ukrainians that are defending it they don't have any meaningful access points. Now, we've been hearing this back and forth as well about these humanitarian corridors trying to get the civilians out, and both sides accuse the other of being the ones who are blocking that from happening. But another you know, great example of, go and look at some of the maps that you've seen on this thing, um, understandingwar.org, that's where I'm pulling this map from, the Institute for the Study of War, to understand, look, these guys have an anti-Russia bias, so I don't necessarily agree with all of their assessments, but they do a great job of outlining what you're seeing on the ground, the difference is how you interpret what they see on the ground. Because you're hearing people say, "Oh, well, uh, they're moving so slowly because they, you know, they clearly have logistics issues, and they have they're overextended. They don't have the numbers. They don't have the ability to fight back. They're just sitting ducks." You know, maybe, right? Maybe that's one that's one read of it. But another read of it is simply that it's their strategy. And any good analyst is going to consider alternative explanations really an analysis of competing hypotheses that could explain the same sets of evidence and same sets of information that we're seeing on the ground, right? If they wanted to push in, they would do so. And the first thing that you would see, by the way, uh, before they were go if they were in a situation where they actually wanted to take out a city right you would see those cruise missile strikes you would see more bombardments from air we're not seeing that yet in any of these major cities yes we've seen some clearly and obviously we've seen artillery being used on these cities we've seen uh, shelling being done in areas where there's urban combat going on and we've seen the takedown of that that TV tower, that TV antenna in the middle of Kiev, which of course is is another strategic target for the Russians because for the Ukrainians, that was their central node for being able to communicate throughout the country. You take that out, you strike a blow in the propaganda war. And of course, there's a propaganda war being fought by both sides on this. You've got false claims coming from everywhere. But in the very next segment, we're going to get into one of those very such claims. So remember, there are two strategic objectives for both sides in this fight. The strategic objective for the Russians is to knock out the Ukrainian government regime collapse and then eventually regime change. That's their strategic and political objective for this entire war. Uh, The long term objective, of course, is the decoupling that we've been talking about. The parallel economy, the second world economy that they are working with China, potentially working with India, Brazil, And Europe, by the way, they're continuing to work with Europe because, remember, Europe is still going to continue buying Russian oil and Russian gas. They've been working on this process for years. They want to take down the petrodollar, and the petrodollar system is what keeps the United States dollar as the world reserve currency. Now, we know the U.S. dollar isn't backed by gold, but you could make an argument that because U.S. dollars are... Are the backbone of the SWIFT system, and the US works very hard so that all foreign oil purchases must be conducted in US dollars. You could make the argument then that the US petrodollar system is actually what backs up the US dollar. And so the US dollar is backed by something not just floating out there artificially it's actually backed by oil and so as long as the u.s government is purchasing oil and energy from foreign countries the u.s there's always going to be an inflated market for the u.s dollar outside of the united states so once you understand this you understand the situation that u.s energy independence is in direct tension with the petrodollar system you can't have one or the other Right. So if you have U.S. energy independence, then those countries aren't you know, you're not buying their oil. If you're not buying their oil, there's no demand for U.S. dollars, no demand for U.S. dollars. And there's no more petrodollar. And then the other countries are going to look around and say, well, maybe it doesn't make sense for us to be conducting these transactions within the U.S. dollar. So that's why Biden is right now going down to Venezuela. That's why he's obviously going to be making a deal with Maduro. And he's going to be begging and pleading for the Venezuelans and Maduro to please, please, please make these purchases in the U.S. dollar. It's not necessarily. So once you understand the financial underpinnings of the petrodollar system, then you can understand why they're making these moves that seem to not make any sense. Why are we buying oil from the Saudis? Why are we buying oil from Venezuela? Why are we making all these moves? Why don't we just you know why don't we just dig up the stuff that we have here drill it and frack it and have nuclear energy and the rest and you have to understand that the financial system of the united states is predicated on the petrodollar and is predicated on the idea that the u.s dollar will be the world reserve currency once you have the understanding that american energy independence is actually right is actually a threat to this system then you can understand why our elites fight so hard against it and by the way you know we know what side the elites are on it is not the side of the american people and clearly u.s energy independence would be something that benefits every american but i want to also make a point to to all my bitcoin friends out there all my crypto fans all the rest of that you know you guys i love you but but the u.s dollar staying strong and the u.s dollar being that world reserve currency does benefit americans And the social and cultural ramifications, second order and third order effects of the U.S. dollar becoming massively devalued overnight and having all those people, and I keep talking about this, lose their savings overnight. You've got $1,000 in the bank, $2,000 in the bank, middle Americans, working class Americans, that's going to lead to a situation of complete societal breakdown Far worse than anything that we saw in the rioting during the lockdowns, the George Floyd riots, all of this. It would be 10 times worse if the U.S. dollar suddenly becomes un, you know, completely devalued because then you're going to have competition for scarce resources on the ground and nobody is going to be paying attention to the law. You will have looting everywhere. So first place I can say this right the first time. You know, the most immediate impact of this is if you live anywhere near a city, go ahead and buy immediately some of those gas cap locks. Make sure you get those, put them on your car because you know the siphoning. If anybody remembers the 1970s and how that went down. You are going to wake up and suddenly say, Hey, wait a minute. I thought my tank was, was all the way full when I, when I went to bed last night. I stopped over at Wawa or, or Bucky's, you know, wherever you like to shop, and a quick trip maybe, uh, filled up. And then I wake up this morning, I'm on E. What's going on there? Tell you what's going on there siphoning. So the Russian strategy, of course, regime collapse in Ukraine. The Ukrainian strategy is to try to get the United States involved in any way possible. Well, the Russians just had a major propaganda victory. They did. They did. And even though we oppose this invasion, we have to understand what's actually going on, and we have to be truthful about what's happening on the ground and what's happening in not only the economic world war that we're in, but the information world war that we're in. Yesterday, the Undersecretary of State of the United States of America, Victoria Nuland, came out publicly and stated that the United States is working with Ukraine to prevent bio-research facilities from falling into Russian hands. Go listen to this clip, this incredible exchange between her and Marco Rubio, and just listen to the concern and trepidation in her voice when she testified yesterday to the, I believe, yeah, the Senate Foreign Relations Committee. Take a listen. Does Ukraine have chemical or biological weapons? Uh, Ukraine has... uh uh, Russian forces should they approach. If there's a biological or chemical weapon incident or uh, or attack inside of Ukraine, is there any doubt in your mind that 100% it would be the Russians that would be behind it? There is no doubt in my mind, Senator, and it is classic Russian uh, technique to blame on the other guy what they're planning to do themselves. And then Rubio's response, what is going on with that? The question was, does Ukraine have chemical or biological weapons? And notice how she sidesteps this. And she doesn't say yes or no. She says Ukraine has, and she's being very careful with her words, biological research facilities. And then the very next question or the very next sentence that she says is, we're very concerned that Russian troops and Russian forces may be seeking to be in control of it. Well... Um, yeah, something tells me that that's not just Peptobismol and Ibuprofen and a couple of, you know, Cepacil cold drop, your cough drops that are in these facilities. These are the same types of pathogens that look and National Pulse has the story and huge shout out to the team over there that this was a program that was started by then Senator Barack Obama and lots of other senators and congressmen went along this, of course, where the United States was going into the former Soviet countries and they were propping up these bio labs with U.S. funding. In order to control or put a lock on the Soviet bioweapons program we know that the Soviet bioweapons program which was largely based in Kazakhstan but also had multiple nodes around all of these countries had some of the most extensive pathogen development and bioweapon development in the world and then the question becomes were these facilities simply holding them In frozen stasis try to keep them safe you know were these holding facilities where this stuff could be kept down locked on lockdown and archived or were but as as victoria nolan says were they conducting active research with these and if so what was the nature of that research and so russian disinformation and russian propaganda has been saying for years that these are active bioweapons programs okay but the united states comes out and says no 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 these are you know purely for research purposes we're just making sure that everything's taken care of but here's the problem with that and the problem with that is one word two syllables wuhan they told us that everything that was going on in wuhan was being done for primarily, you know, medical research, and we're going to keep people safe. If there's ever a coronavirus outbreak, you know, we're going to have the treatments ready right on the shelf. Yeah, they didn't have any of those treatments ready. And I remember that, you know, certainly there was no plan. And then nobody even told us the truth. You know, we had to go in and do the digging on war room pandemic about this two years ago, right, talking about EcoHealth Alliance, talking about Peter Daszak, The Lancet. And at the same time, unbeknownst to us, it was the very people that were conducting those gain-of-function experiments, building chimeric viruses, working with humanized mice, giving them. Oh, you know, we remember all of it: the ACE two receptors, the furin cleavage sites, and the spike proteins. Right? You know, we had to learn all this biology to understand what was being done there. And those people were working to shut us down, to smear us as conspiracy theorists, theorists to attack us. And it took about it took about two years right and certainly after biden took office then people started to finally come out and admit that we were right well here we go again we were told about six days ago right it used to be about six months now it's about six days for something to go from conspiracy theory to fact and they told us that it was a conspiracy theory that the u.s was running bio labs in ukraine okay well now here we are six days later and victoria newland says well we are working with ukraine on these biolabs but they're just biological research facilities and at the same time we have to make sure that none of those and i'm quoting her again research materials fall into the hands of russian forces so she's very very concerned about it so it's definitely not something that's benign in there all right tell us the truth but then senator marco rubio his response was possibly in and, and i know people are more focused on what victoria newland said victoria newland by the way Go watch Ukraine on fire by the great Oliver Stone to give you a background of all of Victoria Newland's role in the start of the overthrow of the Ukrainian government, the coup, the Maidan. She is the Maidan maiden, right? And her family, uh, her husband's family, extreme, extreme. These are the progenitors of neoconservatism they were all over the iraq war her husband directly all over the iraq war in fact um for that institute for the study of war that was her brother-in-law who actually wrote that report that i was reading from in the last segment so you know strong strong neoconservatives there these people know exactly what's going on so my question for everybody then becomes what exactly were they doing in the bio labs and, and Rubio, his response is, well, if there's a false flag bioweapon bio attack, it's definitely Russia, right? And she, she, of course, snaps, you know, snap that snaps too, right? Oh, yes, yes, absolutely, Senator. Yes, of course, it's definitely the Russians. Whoa, whoa, hold on a second. First, you're saying biological research facilities. And in the very next breath, Rubio is talking about false flag bioweapon attacks in Ukraine. What is going on? And I think everyone can understand this is one of the most bizarre exchanges that you've ever seen on the floor of the Senate, because it seems like both of them are trying to talk about something without actually saying it. And we don't actually know what that something is, but you can see, and if you watch the video, she's like fidgeting with her pen. She's white tipped, you know, fingers as she's gripping onto this thing. She does not like, you know, you don't have to be a behavioral, you know, body language analyst to understand that that was somebody who did not want to be having this conversation. Victoria Noland. Senator Rubio, everyone needs to come clean about what was going on in those labs, because I guarantee you, the Russians are about to put all of it on the world stage, and they are, going to, they are going to accuse the United States of performing WMD tests inside of Ukraine. I guarantee you, that's going to be the next move in all this. So hold on to your hats, get in front of it, and just tell the truth. Come clean for the american people all right before we get into this next story i wanted to talk a little bit about mypillow.com go to mypillow.com backslash poso use promo code poso you want to support us support the work at human events daily is doing every single day now we're, we're kind of turning points having a spring break right now so that's why you're not getting any video episodes but we're still doing the audio by the way they told us they said take the week off Have a relax, you know, rest, relax. I said, I can't do that. There's a war going on. We have to continue. So, we're doing the audio episodes, and the team is helping me putting in the sots. Uh, That's your, your audio clips and everything else on the back end. So, we are not taking a full week off because of you. And so if you want to support us, support that work, you go to mypillow.com, you use promo code POSO, you support our sponsors, support all of our advertisers, by the way, and not just for Human Events Daily, for all conservative media, right? We're all independent media. You support our advertisers because that is how we keep the lights on. That's how we keep this fight going and how we keep providing this information to you. So if you su- if you support this fight, if you support this mission, go and support our followers. Do it for yourself, do it for your country and do it for your children's future. Next up, Russia's invasion to impact U.S. agriculture. Not a lot of people are talking about this, but we dug this up out of the Montana Agriculture Network, something that no one is talking about, that the financial markets are getting hit, the U.S. dollar is getting hit, but we haven't even talked about the food scarcity and the food shortages that are going to be coming because of this war. The prices are going to be going up and up and up. Understand, agricultural inputs, crops, the fertilizer that we get, guess what? 29% of the world's global wheat exports come from where? Russia and Ukraine. That's the world's breadbasket. It's always been known as the breadbasket. That's where your food comes from. Guess what else? The potash, the precursors for fertilizer. How much of that comes from there? So much of it, of global fertilizer, comes from there. In the last year, fertilizer prices have seen an increase of 174%. So you better believe that those price increases are going to move down to the consumer, that means you. So the food prices are going to go up like crazy. Home heating oil, go look at home heating oil prices. It's going up at an incredible, it's parabolic. I've I've talked to people about this that use home heating oil. It is absolutely parabolic. So understand how all of these inputs are going in to directly affect you and your home and your family's bottom line as all of this continues. That's why we hear at Human Events Daily we're not just going to talk about and of course we will talk obviously about the human cost of this the humanitarian crisis why we completely oppose this war why we absolutely stand for peaceful negotiations figure out a way to end this killing and this fighting and end the bloodshed but also understand we talk one thing that we do here that you don't hear on corporate media we talk about second order effects and third order effects we talk about the NATO hot potato when it comes to the Russian MiG, or the, the you know the Russian-made MiGs that from Poland, Poland said, oh, we're going to give them to uh, the U.S. The U.S. said, no, 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 just give them to Ukraine. And they said, no, we'll give them to you. You can paint the U.S. flag on them. And they said, no, 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 no. We, you know, that's, that's too much of a, that's too risky. We can't do that. And Poland said, well, if you can't do that, and it's too risky for you, why isn't it too risky for us to do it? The United States government is trying to frame Poland for starting World War III, and we cannot overlook this. Have you heard of the three-week rule? Well, the three-week rule may be the best financial advice you ever get. What is the three-week rule, you say, Pozo? Well, wait three weeks to buy that new car, wait three weeks to refi your home mortgage, and wait three weeks to finance any major purchase. Why three weeks? Well, because that is how fast the average scoremaster user takes to boost his or her credit score, an average of 61 points. And listen, 61 points added to your credit score can save you tens of thousands on everything you finance. Scoremaster Technology was developed by Credit Data Scientists to boost your credit score higher and faster than you ever thought possible. Scoremaster is so easy it takes about a minute to get started and you don't have to wait months for your best credit score. Try Scoremaster for totally free and see how many plus points you could add to your credit score. Go to scoremaster.com/poso that is scoremaster.com/poso. If you want to upgrade your score your, your credit score, not your social credit score, right? It's scoremaster.com POSO. A New York Times reporter, according to Project Veritas, a new video that's come out, Matthew Rosenberg, journalist for the New York Times, was caught on tape saying that there were a ton of FBI informants at the Capitol on January 6th. Listen to this. We're the ones, not Fox, not Brett who actually went in and uncovered the fact that, like, there were a ton of FBI informants on the people who attacked the Capitol. That was us, not the right one. To this is some of the most incredible audio that I've heard from Project Veritas. So go and support them. Support James O'Keefe. James and I have been talking about this situation. Um, you've also got, by the way, Rosenberg is saying that the whole thing was overblown, a reliance on fear and trauma. He was uh, attacking some of the journalists by name, by the way, by name, people that he was talking about, White House correspondent, um, Zolan Kano-Youngs, Sabrina Trevnis, reporter Adam Goldman, um, particularly called out Emily Cochran and Nick for pushing the trauma angle of January 6th and he actually cursed them out he called them effing little dweebs that that should shut the f up I mean this is crazy stuff but once again ladies and gentlemen it goes to show you that the people behind the scenes of these mainstream media outlets they're playing you you're being played like a fiddle if it seems like they know what they're doing if it seems like they have an agenda it's because they do They know exactly what they're doing and they know exactly how they are playing around with your emotions your confirmation biases in order to get clicks in order to sell newspapers in order to make themselves seem more important than they actually are and that's it that is all the time we have on human events daily look i could talk about these issues again and again all day long we could do three hour episodes of this every day but our promise, our oath, our solemn vow to you is to be good, be brief, be gone. And that is what we were doing. So today we covered the military on the ground, what's actually happening situation, a situational awareness update for everyone. The Russian offensive campaign assessment. We talked about Victoria Newell and the bio labs. They said it was a conspiracy. Turned out to be true. Next, we gave you the information about the war on agriculture, fertilizer. We we are in an economic and informational world war that's already begun. So understand and take the steps to make yourself and your family safe and find. Finally, we talked about this incredible, incredible scoop, uh, bombshell scoop, right? Scoop from Project Veritas, getting us the information of what's going on behind the scenes at the New York Times. But before we go, it's time for today's history break. Today, March 9th, 1776, Adam Smith published the influential economics book, The Wealth of Nations. Highly recommend you guys actually read it. Uh, I read Wealth of Nations myself for the first time uh, when I was living in China, by the way, living in Shanghai uh, when I was in my early 20s and not so everybody talks about the fact that he brings up this idea of the free market, the invisible hand, but it's really a fantastic overview of the economy of the British Empire and the mercantilist policies of the United, not the United States, because it didn't exist at the time, but uh, wouldn't exist for a couple of more months um, until July 4th, right, which is coming up, but It gives you an entire overview of the British Empire and the way it all worked. And they even talk about China a little bit, believe it or not. So Adam Smith, Wealth of Nations, don't just read the one page that they talk about with the invisible hand. Go and read the actual thing. Ladies and gentlemen, as always, you have my permission to lay ashore.